live at Bar Canada inside the D Hotel and Casino. It's Cofield and Company. Uh, check Twitter. Uh, check Twitter. Check Twitter. And we'll have some information on the uh, Coaches versus Cancer Golf Tournament, how you can contribute, how you can get involved. We'll uh, send out an email address here in just a couple of minutes. Three o'clock hour starting. We, uh, we're talking Coaches versus Cancer because Calvin Sampson, Houston coach, was just on. And before we get to the three, uh, Cougars just did not stand a chance from the get-go. Too, too slow a start, and uh, they tried in the second half, but... Baylor's damn good. I know uh, Coach Joe, our buddy, used to coach with UNLV and you know, has bounced around college basketball. Uh, he was flaunting Baylor the entire season. So he's puffing out his chest after that game on Saturday. And you just heard from Kelvin Sampson as we get ready for the title game tonight. Um, that was a hell of a case on the Baylor side. If you're looking to play this game tonight, Baylor's getting four and a half. It's down just a little bit. He didn't connect to the gambling, but I will. When he talked about the defense of Baylor, I am really intrigued to see, one, how the offensive players on the perimeter for Gonzaga deal with Baylor's strength and length. And then if the inside players, led by Timmy, can take advantage of, if that's the, you know, if there's a weaker part of the Baylor team, it's their, it's their interior players. Now I'm not saying, like, JTT ain't weak. The former UNLV no, power forward, no. like he's about as big and badass as you get in college basketball. He can, that dude carries two sixty on a six eight frame. Like he, he's ridiculous. That's I tell you what, that, that's a guy. If I were the NFL, I'd be looking at him like, okay, that's a left tackle. <laughs> like I think he would look. I think he would look slim at three fifteen. He's a freaking monster. Definitely a, a blocking tight end, for sure. Maybe, but and he can. Yeah. I, I think as you're suggesting, he can afford. To carry even more weight on him, fifty pounds, it would, yeah. it would look like nothing. Uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a beast, and, and I thought that was really you know going into this game. If you look at the numbers, the numbers said that the big advantage Houston was going to have was on the offensive glass. They've done that all year long. They've killed everyone on the offensive glass, and Baylor has been kind of vulnerable on the defensive boards because of the zone that they play, and and it allows teams to get offensive rebounds. So there was a thought. That, man, on paper, Houston should be able to get a lot of offensive rebounds here, and that that will be their path. But sometimes, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm definitely a numbers guy. I'm an analyst guy. I'm, I'm into all that. Sometimes you just have to look at the guys. And you're like, no, those dudes, if they want to go rebound and they want to get physical and dominate the glass, they can't. And, and I thought that they just kind of overwhelmed them with, uh, size, strength, speed—the yeah. old, you know, the old measurables uh, well, that, that go beyond the the computers. And Adam, this is not—we're not rubbing it in on anyone who's not sitting courtside. But there are a lot of times with basketball, if you're sitting courtside, then you get it. it the, the, yeah. true, the the true story is not told on TV. When you're on a floor and you see two teams go up against each other, and just the the other team is just as athletic but bigger, you're like, my god. And when you're trying to run an offense and everyone's got length. How do you get shots off? You can't make an easy pass. You can't turn the corner. You can't freaking execute a good pick and roll or pick and pop. And that's that next level defense. And you just heard Kelvin Sampson's like, Davion Mitchell is as good as some of the you know best guys I've ever coached against yeah. as a two-way player. 
Yeah. What? He's incredible. And there's a lot of people around the country who are like, Huvian, what, what, Joel? <laughs> yeah. Like, they, they don't know. Who's that guy? So this, I am thrilled that the two best teams made it. I think it's going to be freaking awesome. It's, you know, really, in the end, Baylor is a defensive team against one of the great offensive teams in the history of college basketball. So what a freaking show. Three times. It's time for The Three, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Interesting uh, women's tournament the last couple of days. Champion, yeah. Championship, it's over, right? Yeah. Stanford wins it. They beat Arizona. Did you I, – I kept seeing a story over the weekend about the uh, Arizona coach and the fact that, you know, she's in the huddle, I think, right after the game or towards the end of the game, and she was basically like – F everyone who didn't respect us and did, like, the, the double bird. Yeah. And then she said she wasn't apologizing. Did someone in the press conference ask her to apologize? Were there people online? Was there someone, like, vocal and outspoken that I missed saying, hey, that's that's obscene, you need to apologize? Or was this one of those Internet things where it's like, she's not going to apologize? No one asked her to. Like, well, she know. did give a speech that she's not going to apologize. I, that's, like, I wonder what she was reacting to. Right. I don't – I. I saw the clip of her saying it. Okay. I didn't see what led but up to it. I kept seeing it written up like there had been someone or people who were like, apologize. And then everyone's patting her on the back like, good, good job. She's not going to apologize. To who? Did yeah, they, why, why would she? It is weird, right? It, it, it's weird. It, it, but, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not apologizing for this take that I'm going to give out right now. I don't have one. But no, is, that, is, is, that, is that the case? I was case? waiting for the is that what she, Is it a preemptive strike? Like, don't come at me. Well, I think, I think, and this is, I don't know, I, I have no knowledge of this. I don't know. I think it was one of those things that everybody watched it. It was a huge, hugely circulated clip. Yeah. And I think somebody may have just asked her, like, oh, what'd you think of that going so viral? And she's like, it is what it is. I'm not going to apologize for it. Okay. Like, I don't think there was some <laughs> big, I don't think there was some big, like, outrage of, you know, people. I'm sure, listen, I'm sure they were there. I'm sure there was people that were like, how could she use this kind of language? She's trying to coach these young women, blah, 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 whatever. Is, actually, is there a case to be made like, hey, you're a leader of women. You're a leader of young people. Don't be profane. No. I'm not the one to make the case. No, nobody's making that case about the men's coaches. They shouldn't make that about her. And I think that was the, I think that was the crux of what, where she was going with it, right. of like, I'm a coach. That's what I do. I'm going to get graphic. Okay. I'm just going to tell you, here's the other thing. I would be surly and in a mood not to apologize if people were gnawing on my breast. <laughs> okay. She was late to come out from She's, the second half yesterday. Like, just, that would set me off. Sure. I'm, I can only I imagine. I've, I've never breastfed. But, yeah, she's, she's got a kid who's, like, six months old. Yeah. And, you know, she's got to get the – she's got to pump the milk. I don't know what's going on. Maybe maybe there was no gnawing. I don't know. But I would be annoyed. I, I just, you know, because obviously we're – we want to hyper-focus, and it's just, like, just basketball, and then you got to do this. But, you know, you made the choice to have a kid. But, but that, that's going on. So she was celebrated for that. Um, and, you know, the other side was – it's a cool story with Stanford because Stanford was on the road. You know, don't forget, Northern California was a – freaking nightmare for athletics because they basically were not allowed to play at home most of them and they had to be road warriors there were three games here stanford had three games in vegas yeah. and then they're playing at like the uh, the santa cruz uh whatever gym they play in in the whatever it is the g league yeah um they had to leave their county yeah so so that's a good part of the story too and the best part is that uh neither uh gino or emma or the uh the dork 
down at uh, Baylor, Mulkey. Uh, they didn't win a championship, so that's the. I mean, that's the best part. The saving, could, That's the story of the season. That's I could not breaks. believe that Stanford hadn't won a women's title since '92. Wow, I couldn't believe that either. Thirty years? That doesn't seem right. 30, 20, well, 20, 30, been a, 30, 20, 20, 30. It's been a dominant program, but it's been like all Tara Vandiver is like synonymous with women's basketball. I'm like, what? But some of the, some of the other programs are so freaking dominant. It's been all UConn, Baylor, Notre Dame, South Carolina. Tennessee in there. Without, I, mean, I, I think it's been a while for them too. Do you think Tennessee's won two since 92? I, I think Tennessee, uh, Tennessee is like, they're the, they're the program we still think of as like, uh, Pat Summit, the you know, Lady Vols. They're like, yeah, that was a long time ago. Freaking Gino. I'm not a fan of him or Kim Mulkey. I wish they'd both go away. He's trying to find a Tennessee win. Well, Summit title. was done in 2012, and they did win back-to-back titles in 7 and 8. Okay. But I'm going to say it, ready? But that was it. <laughs> it's been, I mean, it's been 12 years, 13 they, years. They've only won. Have they won one since? Now we're sharing our ignorance on women's basketball. Whatever. I thought it was cool. So I thought the whole thing was cool. If if women want to get in a huddle with their female players and say, F everyone, you know, they disrespected us, that's fine. Why shouldn't they? You got to be a mom and, you know, do the the breast milk thing. Go ahead, do it. It's all good to me. It's it's wonderful. It's great. Hey, you want to knock Gino out of the tournament? We're all for it. Now what if if the Arizona coach – was then able to make like a boatload of money this off season based on like mommy products and maternity products. Like everyone would be cool with it, right? Sure. What if one of the players had just had a kid and wanted to do the same thing? Nope. Can't, can't do it right now. Nope. That wouldn't be that would be unacceptable. That would ruin the sport. There was a good story on Yahoo today talking about name image likeness as they work out this plan. Whatever they're gonna do, it's gonna be Armageddon because the NCAA is filled with pansies, and I think they're worried about the legal end of it. So this is going to be a state-by-state, conference-by-conference deal. This will probably be the last time a Jalen Suggs type, or what's the, what's the lady's name on uh, on UConn? It's like Paige Beckers, whatever her name yeah. is, right? Yeah. Um, and apparently she's got like she's got like 800,000 Instagram followers. She can't leave. What does that mean? She can't go to the WNBA. <laughs> okay. All right. But you get my point. While she's in school... Like, this isn't just going to be traditional, hey, the local car dealer puts up some money for local ads. Social media is where a lot of these kids are going to make money. Sure. This might be the last time that Suggs and and the UConn player aren't making any cash off of their name or, you know, in the case of Suggs, like off his shots. Well, think what what you would do. You would do something like Jalen Suggs hits that shot. His Instagram followers, I'm sure, went through the roof. And his agent would be working on, okay, who is going to buy his next Instagram post? Which company wants to be the the first Instagram post he puts up after that shot? How about after that bank shot, we've got a bidding war between Bank of Spokane, Bank of Washington, and Bank of America. By the way, I made up the first two. I bet you didn't. I bet you there's a Bank of Spokane or a Bank of Washington. But that would be something easily where a player can make some money, and why not? Yeah. They got the job done. Oh, it's definitely going to happen. The social media part's going to be fascinating. And I'll tell you the other thing, because, uh, you know, these two players were linked together in a Yahoo story, the UConn woman and uh, and Suggs. Well, they're, they're from the same, same they, town in Minnesota. And they do know each other. Yeah. Um, but they were linked together. I wonder, 
I think statements of inequity or inequality are good for discussion, but are people going to be mad if Suggs is making a million and a half dollars a year and Paige from UConn is making 17000 Yeah, they are. But but we're also going to be seeing... Like, how does the NCAA control that if there aren't advertising dollars for the females and the, the men are getting a ton of money? I mean, I think it's a good discussion where you'd be like, hey, people should jump on the women, but you can't force anyone to do that. I just no. think that's going to be like the next gender discussion we have like five years from now. Of course with, it is. With male and female athletes, but I'm not really sure how they regulate that. And, and Well, because the other problem is going to be that... Yeah, uh, Jalen Suggs is going to make like $5 million a year. And if you go to Gonzaga or somewhere like that, that's on TV all the time and always number one, they're going to make that much money. Yet, maybe Bryce Hamilton makes 15000 a year. And you're like, wait a minute, the best player from that school is making $5 million? The best player from that school is making 20000 Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, that's going to be an issue too. Yep. And then you could have schools emerge that maybe are not basketball powers, but they're in big markets with lots of money. Uh, they could be in tiny markets. You know, we hear all the time. You know, uh, not we hear all the time, but um, yeah, North Dakota State football is really good. Right? Well, there's a ton of money around the program. Sure. So I don't. Maybe North Dakota State's going to start getting, you know, like high major guys to go there. Because they've got a couple of you know local businesses that are like, yeah, we'll pay through the we'll pay through the nose, and and the other side of it is, I don't think you can restrict it. I've talked about in the past where it's like, hey, Alabama shouldn't have fifty-seven guys on their football roster making money, while UNLV has two. I don't know how you control that. Uh, when you see the the top, there's only two schools getting the top thirty guys in college basketball, and it's Oregon and Wichita State. Be like, what's going on here? Oh, the two best-funded programs are are just getting all the players because they're don't, paying the most money? Okay. Yeah, the Koch brothers and uh, Oregon with uh, Phil Knight. Yeah. But don't you think in a lot of ways this is actually going to be good, that it's that it'll it'll it potentially could spread the wealth for basketball, I'm saying. For basketball, it could spread the wealth. And the other thing is um, Jalen Green and uh, now I'm blanking on uh, Joel Tomboy's brother, um, Johnny Kaminga, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh, I got to get the earnings clock going and make my money in, in the G League. All right, now you can actually, above board, legally, make more money playing a year of college basketball. Yeah, for sure. It'll help in that way. I, I think, you know, the fears of that it will ruin the sport. Oh, it'll make the it'll make the richer better. Like it's gonna really it's gonna really create a lot of top heavy. Uh, leagues and teams, and you're going to see. I think, I think football could be a problem. I, I think basketball is actually going to work in basketball's favor. Well, there's going to be some teams emerging that all of a sudden, like, I don't know, DePaul maybe could become a power, and that that's you know in that sort of way. But you are going to see the rich getting richer, and it, but it might not be the same rich that it is now. But you will see a much more top heavy uh, sport. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Live at Bar Canada, inside the D. Big day of football talk as well at the D as we got uh, VGK coming up at 5 o'clock. National title game a little after that. We'll cut out here at 5. 
to give you the pregame from Westwood One. Cofield, Adam, and Angel on the road. Come down and hang out with us. Watch uh, both of the big tilts tonight and some baseball at the D. Pitcher specials on Heineken and Coors Light. Uh, I did a bunch of fantasy baseball drafts this weekend. I'll be honest, I like baseball, but fantasy gets me into it more. So I'm kind of now I'm starting to read the box scores. I always love doing that. So I'm, you know, you start to pay attention. It's a really busy time in the sports world. So that first week of baseball gets swallowed up a little bit. But my God, why are people are coming out? I guess maybe based on the fact that last year was abbreviated, uh, folks are coming out of the gates, freaking fired up. Who is this Indians TV guy taking calls? on the boob tube and flipping out like two days into the season. Right. Uh, I guess you missed a lot of the games that Reyes hit in the clutch last year, huh? No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're an no, idiot. No. You're an idiot and you don't know baseball. I'm you're not gonna, an idiot. No, you are an idiot. Listen, no, you're going to tell me you are judging. You don't know anything. You don't know squat, you stupid idiot. You're going to tell me you're going to make a judgment on the season after one game in 30-degree weather. That proves what an ignoramus you are. Get off our show. And by the way, I listened to the call. We had the clip of the call leading up to that. Like, the guy was on the phone, and he didn't say, like, one game. He said, last year, repeatedly, do you have a big problem at the beginning of what Bruce Frennan said there about Fran Mill Reyes? Not necessarily. The clutch. Oh, that part of it? I yeah. figured you'd be like, there's no such thing. There's not. And then you could be a caller and just scream at him, there's no clutch! There's no clutch! There's no clutch! Just over and over again. As he's, scre- he's just screaming at you. You're an idiot. And the guy's like, no, I'm not. No, my bigger <laughs> thing would be define clutch. Right. Like, what do you mean by that? Yep. Like, there, there, are ways to, there are ways to quantify, like, a clutch hitter. If you say, like, well, he hits this in, you know, uh, eighth inning or later when the game is uh, within two runs. Like, okay, give me that. Don't just say clutch as a random term. So that, that's my big thing. He's God fired dang. up, though. The, the uh, Indians expected to win, what, maybe 75 games this year? Still passion for it, though, in the market, at least with one guy. Uh, I mean, that's good to see. That's like a, like a, one of the fans on Major League, like the five people that were still left as fans before the, the Indians got good again. Um, the Reds and the Cardinals rivalry will never die. It doesn't matter. The faces, well, one of the faces is still there. They, they brawl at least once a year. Yachty? And now what happened? Lil Yachty. Uh, Nick Castellanos uh, decided to uh, score on a pass ball and then flex at home plate over the pitcher. Didn't go well. There was not. It, it's been called a brawl, referred to as a brawl. It really wasn't. It was benches clearing and a lot of uh, posing and staring and nobody really throwing punches. But certainly that uh, that got everybody fired up. And then he drew a two game suspension for the flex at home plate. Why? <laughs> you can't flex. You can't start a baseball can't, sucks. Can't start a brawl, and I'm sure they'll reduce it. How about no games? I mean, I'm. I'm what for is it that. based on? Flexing. I mean, the throat slit was ridiculous. <laughs> Flexing. He's strong. So wait, if you hit a home run, you drop the bat and you flex. That's a two-game suspension now. I think if you do it over, if you like went out to the pitcher's mound and did it, or turned around and did it to the catcher. Are we? Is this like high school ball? Is it college ball? Basically, there's no taunting. That's baseball now? Major League Baseball. Apparently. God, these guys will never get it. Yeah, they don't They don't want anybody having fun, essentially. How about don't react to the flex? That's the crime, not the flex. Well, you know that the 
you know, in, in that situation, they are the arbiters of all that is allowed and not allowed in baseball. Is there a chance that Yadier Molina will over-celebrate or flex the rest of the season? Of course. Yeah, and then it'll be And okay. then be like, what? What's the problem? <laughs> What's wrong By with that? By the way, not what Yadier Molina sounds like. But. I think that was a good impression. Okay. That was, That's that was pretty accurate. the attitude. Now, Ca- Castellanos did. He did just kind of stand there. He was kind of ushered away. He wasn't really part of the brawl. Uh, but at one point, he was kind of face-to-face with Yadier, and he didn't have his hands up. And Yadier did not punch him. But he, he said if he would have... He's like, it would have been kind of an honor. Yeah. He's like, that, that guy's a legend. He's awesome. So they're mad in Cleveland. Molina's getting mad. Uh, in Boston, they've played three games. Headline, NBC Boston. From sneaky good to sneaky gross, Red Sox season already a disaster. We just started. It's true. Uh, we it, just started. It was, listen, you don't overreact to one game. You certainly don't overreact to a series. You have to wait a little while to see where they are. It could not have started much worse, though. I got it. This, I get it. It's a long this season. This is as bad as a start gets. They're not fully healthy. You knew this was going to be a fight to get the 500. You know? They're doing the rebuilding thing. Believe me, I'm not a Red Sox backer. But I, but I do know this. Boston will not accept rebuilding. So that's yeah. – it's not Houston where it was just passionless crap around the Astros. We're like, yeah, hey, whatever happens, happens. And now they're good, and it worked. In Boston, they don't have any patience. They don't have it in New York either. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're going to take three years off. Are you lowering the price of Fenway? No. No. Raising them. Wait, what? What a joke. Uh, Sam Darnold, the big news today around the NFL, traded from the Jets to the Panthers. What does that mean for Teddy Bridgewater? We'll ask uh, George Ahuri from PFF in five minutes. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. Hanging at Bar Canada inside the D, it's Cofield and Company. You know, I like the vibe around the national title game, especially with the fact that these are not household names over the years for college basketball, but I think most people who have watched the tournament and especially those who watch the whole season, realize these are the two best teams, and the matchup is freaking dynamite. George Hurry from uh, Pro Football Focus is up with us. Did you win on the Final Four? Did you get both games right? Uh, I, I did uh, get the second one right. I had I was this close to hitting UCLA money line. I had UCLA against the spread oh. um, pretty sizably. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was a little bummed because I was excited for overtime, honestly. And I couldn't believe that UCLA just, like, thought the game was over. That Their coach was the only one playing defense on the inbound fast, <laughs> which was uh, which was a little sad. But um, I, I think this is probably the best, um, best possible national championship, yeah. Yeah, one of our buddies on the show had UCLA 75-1 to ticket that he could hedge tonight oh. if they had made the title game. And uh, yet Adam... After the disappointment of the 75-1 uh, to one going down in flames, then sends us a text bragging about getting a middle on the game. How'd you, how'd you get that, Adam? Live betting? Yeah. Mi- minus 2.5 and, and plus 5.5? I'll take it. Now I, a three off the glass! Come yeah. on! Yeah. Come on! This is uh, very lucky. Oh <laughs> very, very awesome. lucky. Uh, yeah. B- believe me. Well, I was hoping. Uh, I was hoping it would happen, but I didn't think I, it was possible. So uh, we'll take it. Uh, much like... The Panthers will take Sam Darnold. How about that? 
what does this trade mean for Sam Darnold? Uh, I think it's probably one of the best outcomes for Darnold. I think the only the only outcome that might have been better would have been Denver. I think Denver has a slightly better team, sllightly better playmakers. Um, and I think they were one of the other teams that could have potentially traded for Darnold. But if you think about going from Adam Gase and what that Jets supporting cast had to Joe Brady and what this Panthers supporting cast has, I think this is honestly like maybe the potentially the best moment in Sam Darnold's life slash career thus far. Um, because he's going to have an offense that is going to give him an opportunity to make throws that he did, simply did not have in New York. I mean, Joe Brady is, uh, I would say right now, top five to seven um, offensive play schemers in the NFL. And um, he's got weapons there with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, who we know from, from the New York Jets. Um, obviously, Christian McCaffrey coming out of the backfield. So um, he's going to have a chance. Um, I don't know if he'll win many games, but he could put up some stats that could resurrect his career. So I think from a Sam Donald perspective, there are only maybe a couple teams, maybe one or two teams that he would rather go to or should rather have uh, wanted to go to. So how much do you how much do you believe like what a quarterback success early on is just the quarterback and how much of it is where he lines up or where he ends up? what's what's the scheme? who's who's the coach? who's around him? Like, how much is the success, you know, independent of the quarterback? I think a, a lot more than people maybe realize going into the draft. Like, here, here's a good example. Um, whoever gets drafted by the San Francisco 49ers is going to be the favorite to win offense rookie of the year. It, I think should be. If they're not, then I will pile all of my money into them very quickly. Um, even if it's Mac Jones. Even if it's Mac freaking Jones, who is a solid tier and a half uh, below the, the best quarterback in this draft, um, it, that's, that's how much environment matters. Like, you see this all the time in the data. And I'll give another example here, actually, with Kyle Shanahan. Like, Matt Ryan's a very, very good quarterback. And when he had Kyle Shanahan, his rate of positively graded throws, those are throws that we grade with a positive grade, was the highest in the league. When Kyle Shanahan left, those went way down. Did he become a worse quarterback? No, not at all. In fact, his accuracy numbers were still dead on the same. But the opportunities weren't there for him anymore. A quarterback cannot do anything with opportunities that aren't there, right? Um, You look at Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Mahomes is a fantastic quarterback, but if Andy Reid didn't know what he was doing, he wouldn't look nearly as good. So um, it's huge. Uh, I think it will be huge in this year's draft. I do think Jacksonville is a pretty good situation. The Jets are a better situation than they have been. Obviously, the Niners are a great situation. Um, and, and for Darnold, I mean, I don't think he wanted to compete with Zach Wilson anyway. He was going to lose that in all likelihood. Um, so this is this is an opportunity for him. Clearly, the Panthers believe in it. They picked up that option. George Rury, Pro Football Focus, joining us here on the show. Uh, big trade involving quarterback today with Sam Darnold going to Carolina. So uh, multiple questions here. What does this mean for potentially Teddy Bridgewater getting traded? And also, do you think this drops them out of the potential quarterback sweepstakes, or do they still look at drafting a quarterback in the first round to maybe compete with Darnold or learn under Darnold? 
Yeah, it, it's interesting. So I actually really like the Broncos over seven and a half wins this year, in large part because I do think they will make a move for a quarterback like, say, a Teddy Bridgewater, who is not great, but he's not as terrible as Drew Locke. And so that, you know, combined with a very good team, which the Broncos have, I think gets you over seven and a half. And so I think for Teddy Bridgewater, that's the ideal situation for him uh, because uh, Sam Darnold, could he beat him out? Yeah, maybe in one year, but Sam Darnold's 23 years old. Like Sam Darnold has a ceiling that Teddy Bridgewater simply doesn't have. And, and the Panthers have already made it clear, given what they traded for him and the fact that they picked up his, his option, that he's going to be the starter there. So Teddy Bridgewater is going somewhere else. I would bet just about any, anything that he's going somewhere else. I think the Broncos are the immediate one, um, especially given the connections between Peyton and Bridgewater from Minnesota. Um, that would be the number one uh, place on my list. If I, if I had to go to a number two, I mean, gosh, you know, would, uh, would Houston want him? I, I don't know. Uh, but the Broncos are the one with a, a huge star by them for Teddy Bridgewater. Who would have, who would have the, more, the most leverage in that deal? The Panthers or the Broncos? Because if I were the Panthers, I'm not giving away Teddy Bridgewater. I want a second from the Broncos. Yeah, I know that. I know that's high. Um, I know that's high. But the Broncos' quarterback situation, I, I think, is dire. If Drew Lock can't play, that. they got they have to get someone in there. This is a team of now, especially with that defense. Okay, well, so let's think about this because you you brought the second part of your question was about should the Panthers still be in the quarterback conversation, yeah. and I think the answer is well, if someone falls. Now, interestingly, the Panthers, I, I, I think, looked at trying to trade up got told, you know, whatever they were offering, you know, go kick rocks. We don't want whatever you're offering. And so they, they made this move, and it was sort of a precautionary move where we probably won't get the guy we want dropping to us or any guy dropping to us, so we're making this move. Now, if a guy drops to them, the Broncos are the team right behind them, <laughs> you know, and so it could potentially be the case that they are sitting there at eight with the last you know, draftable quarterback at that position. And so then they really have the Broncos by the balls, I think. Um, so I would agree with you that the Broncos don't have a whole lot of leverage. That being said, the Panthers are not going to keep Teddy Bridgewater and that contract. So, I, you know, I do think that the Broncos could gain a little bit of leverage if they were to just play a little bit of hardball because, the Panthers don't want to go in the next season with, with both those guys, especially if they happen to draft another young guy at eight and, you know, say Trey Lance falls. I always like to hit on the 40 times and what they mean at certain positions. Kyle Trask barely ran a sub five. I saw someone write it up today that that means he's not athletic. Is he not athletic because he ran a slow 40? And if that's the case, why would Sean Payton and the Saints in the rumor mill be all over Kyle Trask? Yeah, I mean, 40-yard dash times are generally a bad thing to start with when evaluating, you know, the value of prospects at most positions. Uh, that being said, they can tell you a little bit about some, right? You know, they can tell you a little bit about receivers, a little bit about um, uh, about corners, and just their, their ability to hit a top-end speed. That said, you're going to learn a lot more by seeing how they perform in those particular areas on the field, right, stretched deep down the football field. 
Um, so they're not, you know, they're not nearly as valuable as they are fun to talk about. With a quarterback, it's like, you know, really? You're really going to look at their straight line speed? I mean, just go watch them play. Are they able to, you know, do they have the agility to escape a tackle and then the straight line speed, you know, with pads on after having done that? Uh, with Kyle Trask, the bigger issue, I think, for me, would just be the way he throws the football. He's a big quarterback that lacks arm strength and then is also not mobile in the pocket. So um, I, I just don't buy that at all. i got to be honest with you. I just don't buy that Sean Payton is enamored with Kyle Trask, in large part because when I watched Kyle Trask play, I was not enamored with him by any, <laughs> any stretch of the imagination. So, um, yeah, that's a weird one. I feel like someone just heard that like at a bar and decided I'm going to get this thing going and it's draft season. So people picked it up and ran with it. Are there bars in new Orleans? I don't even know if that that's true. Uh, I feel like there's a lot. (laughs) Uh, I don't think you're enamored based on your Twitter feed. I don't think you're enamored with Mac Jones either. Yeah. Look, I, you know, I'm from the Bay area. So the Niners trading up for, you know, the third pick when they gave up three first, is a, is a big deal because it signifies they believe that a guy with top five potential is laying there at three. And Mac Jones is not a bad quarterback, but he's not, he's not that guy with top five potential. There's a lot of reasons to, to be hesitant. Look, he's an older quarterback. He played one year. He played in a system that generated open throws like no other. He had great receivers. Um, he had a Great offense line, you know, the best offense line in college football last year, um, and and you compare him to guys like Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or even Trey Lance, who doesn't have a huge sample size, and there's just a difference in the ceiling, and a lot of it is arm talent and and also athleticism. Um, you look at Justin Fields; I think people want to find reasons to knock Justin Fields, similar to the way that people are looking for ways to talk well, uh, talk good of Mac Jones. So I would take Mac Jones at 15, but I'm not, I'm not going to go, that's the analogy I use, I'm not going to pay 150 grand for a Honda Accord. It doesn't mean I don't like a Honda Accord. It doesn't mean I wouldn't drive one, but I'm not giving up, you know, I'm not paying 3X or 4X what it's worth. And that would be what the Niners trading three first, getting to three, and then taking Mac Jones would be, in my opinion, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, obviously Trevor Lawrence, those are even even Trey Lance. Those are all guys with top five quarterback in the NFL potential, and that's what you move up to three to get. If if they do keep Garoppolo, do you do you think that would make sense that it would be Trey Lance because Trey Lance is more of a project than Justin Fields is? Um, not really, actually. So I think that the reason they're keeping Garoppolo is that they can't trade. Him. Because he has a big contract, and so it, it all lines up perfectly, right? People are really mad that they're not trading Garoppolo. Well, find me one team that wants to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo right now with that contract after watching him last season. Zero. But desperation is going to set in for some teams, as will if Jimmy Garoppolo starts the season, Jimmy Garoppolo's improved perception in the eyes of many. And so when the Niners come out and say, hey, we're not trading him right now. They're saying we think he's still good. Okay, that's going to that's gonna linger. Teams are going to remember that. And when they say, look, we're, only, we're taking a first for him and nothing else, that's, again, reinforcing that they believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. So when Jimmy Garoppolo comes out and plays well to start the season, that's their only hope at actually trading him because the team has to think he's at least worth a future first 
to pay that salary. Um, so I think it's more about the predicament they're in with Jimmy G than it is the project potentially that they're drafting. I, I think Lance, obviously, there's some reason to believe he's more of a project in field. But either guy's going to have to come in, learn Shanahan's system, and be a really hard worker to make it in the NFL. So um, I think it's more about Garoppolo than either of those guys. George, before we let you go, tell people what you guys got cooking in terms of uh, live programming uh, live programming and response uh, during the draft days. Yeah, it's going to be good, man. Um, obviously, you can go to PFF.com and get the PFF draft guide, which will carry you up to and through the draft. And then on draft night, uh, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, we've got the PFF live draft show. Um, it's going to be on PFF.com, first time ever. There will be a live interactive um feature as well picks will be streaming in with grades and analysis uh for all the players so um definitely make sure you check it out head over to, to pff.com or at pff on twitter and we'll have all the uh, updates for you as we get closer thanks george have a good week thanks guys there he is uh, george hurry from pff.com get up there pro football focus join the conversation on twitter at espn las vegas now back to Cofield and Company, live at Bar Canada, inside the D. You know, I've enjoyed doing radio over the years with Adam Hill, so I've got some big news here. I'm now stealing your material. Um, oh boy! I like. We get in arguments about like how good a team is, how good a champion was, what a what a what one game says about a team. Uh, you know, we're talking national championship for football or, you know, a Super Bowl, right? Like, clearly this team is better. And you're like, no. <laughs> the result really doesn't matter. It matters to a certain extent, but if they played 100 times, what would happen? And I just started thinking of that. I saw a, you know, we're, we're very big into this, you know, Gonzaga's unbeaten. Oh, greatest team of all time, which I find beyond silly. But I'll play into this one. I just saw a list from uh, Jason McIntyre, who's on Fox, right? We had Jason on like a month ago. He's a good guy. We'll get him on again. He's a fun guy to talk sports with. And he said, uh, best college hoops team of all time on Twitter, 2021 Gonzaga, 2012 Kentucky, 73 UCLA, 76 Indiana, 1990 UNLV, 1991 Duke. And I retweeted. I was like, take Duke off. You meant 90 and 91 UNLV. Yeah. Duke was a one-off upset. It, it doesn't mean, I mean, it's a legendary upset, but it doesn't mean anything in terms of all-time great teams. No. That Duke team was 32-7. and seven. Good team. Sure. But they had been destroyed by North Carolina in the ACC final, and they pulled off a monumental upset. It doesn't mean they weren't even the best team that year, and you're putting them on the greatest team of all time list? Come on. Think like a gambler ridiculous there'd probably be teams that got eliminated like in the first round that should probably be on that list i don't i I don't know any off the top of my head i'm just saying right like just because a team like i don't care what anybody says illinois was one of the five best teams in this tournament they got beat early they had a really bad day and they lost and that's what's fun about the tournament but it's also why the tournament doesn't determine the best team now the two best teams this year i believe are in According, according to Ken the Palm, these have been the two best teams. And amazingly, I don't, you know, I didn't get to look today. I know as of, like, I think going into the Final Four, the gap between 
I think the gap between um, Gonzaga and Baylor was up to like five, according to Ken Palm. Like it was one of the biggest gaps between one and two in recent history. And we think Baylor's really good. Yeah, there's, it's actually uh, it's, it's pretty it's pretty close to six. Um, and that's a big gap between one and two. Yeah, for sure. It's a huge gap. And then there's a the pretty big gap between Baylor and Michigan, who's third on that list. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think these are the two best teams. I believe they were. The computer said they were. It rarely happens this way, but it does. And by the way, if Baylor wins tonight, it doesn't mean that they're better than Gonzaga. It means they're better tonight. Gonzaga's body of work, and, and yes, for much of the year they were they were right neck and neck, but then Baylor did have the COVID pause and the downturn, and then we you know we saw a little bit of separation between them. But yeah, they're both really good. But just because they win tonight doesn't mean they're better. Uh, what a night on TV! Gonzaga Baylor national title, Golden Knights hockey uh, coming up here in a little over an hour, and oh boy. A-Rodge on Jeopardy. Let's do it. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.